Well, good morning, everybody. Good to be with uh, you all again. Uh, I pray that you're all doing well. I'm excited um, in these weeks to come of anticipation uh, for Christmas. Uh, this time of year that we call Advent is a time of slowing down, uh, reflecting and preparing as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. I want to thank our youth uh, for reminding us of this this week. Um, in week one, we talked about hope. Uh, in week two, we talked about peace. Uh, and today I want to talk to you about joy. Uh, we sing songs like Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory, uh, or songs like uh, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. When we sing those songs, uh, when we're talking about joy, we're, we're talking about a state of being, Rather, it's rather a state of being rather than an emotion. Um, I know we get happy these times of, uh, this time of year, uh, but we have to be careful that we're not getting uh, that way for the wrong things. Uh, see, happiness is not the same as joy, as you've heard probably a million times. Um, just as when I talked to you a few weeks ago that hope is not about optimism. Hope and optimism are not the same thing. In the Old Testament, uh, joy was closely um, related to victory. Uh, over one's enemies. Uh, the prophets speak of joy being uh, taken away um, in the book of Ezekiel and then being restored. Uh, we see that in Isaiah 35, um, right around verses 9 or 10, it reads that no lion will be there, uh, nor any ravenous beast. Uh, they will not be found, it says. It says, but only the redeemed um, will walk there, and those that the Lord has rescued will uh, return. They will enter Zion with singing everlasting joy with crowns on their heads. And gladness and joy will overtake them. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Just the gladness and joy overtaking you. Uh, when we think about uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, 9, and 10, and I'll refer back to this often uh, as our primary um, verse for today, um, it talks, it tells you in Isaiah, Nehemiah 8, 9, and 10, um, it tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Um, in the New Testament, we talked about the Old Testament. In the New Testament, joy is also closely related to victory as well. Um, we see that when the disciples, um, when they returned, it says that they were full of joy after finding out that even the spirits listened to them in, uh, in, in uh, Luke chapter 10. Even the, the demons, it says, submitted uh, to us in your name. They were talking to Jesus. So it's all centered around Jesus. It's all centered around salvation. And it's centered around uh, one of those fruits of the Spirit we're talking about um, is joy. If you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, that we will be rejoicing in heaven uh, whenever one person repents and turns their life over to God, to Jesus Christ. Um, so the Apostle Paul many times writes that he had joy regarding the salvation of those that he was writing to. Uh, he would often write to, to in his letters, and he said he had there was a joy regarding that salvation. That's what he was all about. He wanted to see people come into the kingdom to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So he thought that he says often that he wanted them to be full of joy, full of joy. So Christianity is a faith 
um, as many of you know, that is built around joy. Um, relationship with Jesus Christ brings joy. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I told you these things that your joy would be complete. These things he was referring to was how we should abide in him, how we should abide in him. So if you remain in me and I in you, you not only bear fruit, but his joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. In your Bible, during the story of this first Christmas, we see the word joy several times all throughout. It's a major theme in Christmas. Uh, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. Um, not happiness, but joy. Um, because happiness, as we know, can, can often wear off a little bit. Um, if you've ever been to a new shopping mall or a new town or, um, or in a state that you haven't been to, it's nice to go to the little shops and try out new food. And oh, how, how I personally love new food, um, especially ones that are not chains. Uh, so once we visited, um, my family visited Oregon for the first time. And uh, we went to a place called Maltima Falls. Um, it's, a, it's a hiking trail, it's waterfalls as you hike. Uh, we didn't hike that far. Uh, I, was, I was down for it, but uh, not so much the rest of the family. But we went to Maltima Falls um, and did a, just sort of a short hike up to this waterfall. And we walked around downtown afterwards and we tried all the non-chain restaurants, um, all the greenery there. I was happy. It was, it was just a beautiful place. It was peaceful. It was a great time to slow down. But by the end of the trip, by the time I got to the airport, started checking my emails and seeing what was waiting for me when I landed, uh, looking at my credit card, well, I was, I was no longer happy at that point. But you know what I had joy about from that trip? I had joy when I looked at the pictures on the plane ride home of my family smiling and playing, uh, cracking jokes. It was, it was, it was the, um, the relationship that lasted, not the shops. It was the, relationship, uh, the relationships that gave me joy. Uh, the, the, the food, uh, uh, it's hard to say that food doesn't give me joy, but the, the food, uh, you know, that's, that, that will come and go, right? Um, other things will come and go. Those shops will come and go. But the joy of the Lord, the joy of relationship, the joy of relationship. And that's what God wants with us. So what? So listen, the, my plane ride home showed me that it was not joy that was leading me. It was it was the minute that some, you know, the minute that someone sort of either cuts you off or sends you a rude email or the minute your friend does what she always does and wants you to listen to her, but she never listens to you. The minute that happens in your mood changes, um, like turning off a car, then that's not joy that's leading the way in your life, right? Because happiness, as we said, can be taken away. It comes and it goes. And, you know, some are sad uh, this time of year. Um, speaking of happiness, some are sad this time of year. Sadness is part of life. Um, there are times when sadness creeps up, and it can come in so many different forms. We, we must then turn our eyes to Jesus. This is what we're going to be learning in our, in our scriptures today. If, if we don't have relationship with Jesus, our sad times will go on forever. But Jesus says in, in uh, John chapter 16, he says he will turn our sorrow into joy. Now that's something to celebrate. That he brings beauty out of ashes. He turns the impossible into possible. And he brings us promises 
and a hope for a future, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. We all love that verse. Why? Because God is telling us, hey, there is hope for you. There is a future for you. He's not just talking to groups of people. He's talking to us individually. So if you're listening to this today, he has hope for you. There is hope in God. You have a future. See, happiness is temporary. Joy, we find, will last forever. Your salvation, your relationship with God, those are going to last. What, what is it? What, I think it's Mitchell and maybe one of the, the tire uh, places that says built to last, or is that Chevy? All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. But you know the commercial. It's, it's built to last. But what comes from him is, so what comes from him is actually going to last. So let's get close to God and away from the things that wreck our joy. You know what wrecks your joy. Anxiousness, sadness, guilt, unconfessed, unconfessed sin. And I just want to quickly look at those four areas. There are so many more, and uh, you're probably thinking, well, he didn't name the thing that I'm dealing with. Um, but many of them all come out of these four. Anxiousness, sadness, guilt, and unconfessed sin. When I think about anxiousness, I think about how God tells us to praise him in all things. Think about good things. If you think about Philippians 4, fill your mind on things that are the best, not the worst. Have you ever done that before where sometimes in your mind you're thinking about all the worst things, all the worst case scenarios, all the worst things that are happening around you and in the world? Everything is you're thinking about the worst case scenario. But God says, think about the best things, not the worst. Think about beautiful things, not ugly things in your life. Think about putting into practice what you heard. So as you hear uh, me teach today, as you hear um, our other uh, others on our teaching team teach over the over time. When, when that word grabs you, practice it. Practice what you heard, what you realized, and then God will work it all together for the good. And then there's sadness. Uh, he chose some close friends. Uh, that's what I love about Jesus. Is he he chose people. So when it comes to sadness, some so you see Jesus. I mean, he was. You know, dejected in, in, in different times. He was um, saddened by times. And we see it in the Word of God. He chose some close friends to be with him. Um, and uh, if you remember one time he said he went off to pray and um, um, he said, wait here, right? So he chose, he knew that part of being sad, a part of uh, sort of grappling with the things that he was going through was uh, to having people to pray for him. Tell people what's going on so that they can join you uh, in your in community and pray for you and love on you and, and, and perhaps even um, give a word of encouragement to you. Uh, Jesus says in the Bible, he says, my soul is sorrowful even on to death. Even on to death. Some of you are, are, are guilt. We're, we, we have that guilt that, I mean, we all have done things wrong. We all have made mistakes. We all can look back, whether that's 10, 20, 30 years ago, uh, last night, last week, whatever it is for you, um, you, you sometimes there's guilt of, of doing the wrong thing. 
making a mistake. And God knows we're going to make mistakes. There's no one perfect. I tell uh, my kids all the time, there's no one perfect but God. So don't be so hard on yourself. But you're just, someone may be dealing with guilt. And that's a sign, listen, that's a sign that God is at work in you. If you, if you did not feel guilty, then that means really that you don't care. So that's good, but don't live there. Someone has to say that to themselves today. Don't live there. Don't pitch your tent there. Don't start a fire there. Don't start setting up your s'mores board there. You got to move away from there. And then there's unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. If we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And not only that, to forgive us our sins, he goes a step further and he says he's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness, right? So if you think about unconfessed sin or even confessed sin, just sin in general, he will cleanse you from that unrighteousness. That's, unri that's an unrighteous act that you and I have committed uh, many times on a daily basis. Um, and that's in uh, Galatians chapter 5, um, where he tells us that he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know that the works of the flesh are, are evident, right? In Galatians, he says, we, the works of, and I'm just going to paraphrase here. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, um, uh, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, all these things, drunkenness, um, and alike. He knows that all those are going to be there. Those are the works of the flesh, right? So that's why we have to repent. That's why unconfessed sin, it will just fester in you. You have to let someone know that you're having fits of, uh, of anger. You have to let someone know that you're you're feeling jealous of somebody on your job who who got the um, the promotion, or someone on your job who um, has only been there for a short time, but has uh, taken uh, the reins in something that you thought you would be up for doing. Um, but when you have impurities um, in your life, impure thoughts or impure um, actions or motives, um, sexual immorality. You are single or married, which at whatever state you're in, engaged, anything immoral that's going on, you, those are things that you need to confess, right? And he says in, in, in that, in that um, chapter, he says, I, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That ought to make you want to confess your sin. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's right there in your book. You don't have to believe me for it. You can go and read it for yourself. And so let's, let's get rid of unconfessed sin. But joy, rejoicing in the Lord is, is a great thing. And we do that in so many different ways and through praise and through worship and through um, giving, through being in his word. Um, just like the people in the Old Testament, Testament, um, they repented, right? We talked about unconfessed sin. They repented. Um, they considered that they actually had days of rejoicing. Um, if you look at um, 
Leviticus um, 23 and, 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 and uh, also in Deuteronomy, on the first day of the seventh month, um, that was like a, a, a day of repentance or a day of rejoicing, rather. So they had a time of um, rejoicing. Uh, we see that with Josiah, too. In uh, 2 Kings 22, it says that, that the word of God, when read, had, had power to transform. So it would, uh, when we read the word of God, when we're in it and we, and we see it and we let it get into us and we memorize it, if not memorize so that you can pop it off and, and quote it um, to show how much you, you may know or you think you know, um, but it's for yourself. It's so that you can grow in him. It's for your relationship with God. The word of God has power to transform lives just as it had um, you know, there with uh, Josiah in Second Kings and also with Ezra here in um, Jeremiah. Um, the people realized that, um, that, you know, they realized that if they repented, that they knew that there would actually be real change. And so my point is, is that there will be real change um, when you repent and when you take that unconfessed sin put it out there and keep going and don't dwell on it. It's sort of like the guilt thing. It's not something you need to keep dwelling on. Jesus died on the cross for you. It's it's finished, wiped away. But he does say you need to confess it. Can't bury it. Um, so, so someone may have been hurt by someone. Um, we get hurt from time to time. Sometimes it's our, you know, our, our, our own doing. And, and sometimes it's just that somebody... Uh, we came across someone and they've, they've hurt us. They hurt us bad. And, and uh, many of us may remember that hurt. Um, but how long, my question for you today is, how long are you going to wreck your joy by holding on to that hurt? How long will you do it for? I mean, we've all been hurt by someone. Something's been done to us that's caused us pain. Um, and it will only get worse if you keep on holding on to it. We serve a God that wants to free you and you're trying to get revenge. We serve a God that wants to free you and you're thinking, you know, how did I let this happen? And it's been a year, it's been five, it's been 10. What happens when you play the long game with revenge? It turns into resentment. And you're sitting there miserable, and for them, it's water down their back. So why hold on to it? Um, I've learned this. Uh, you don't hold on to hurt. You can remember it. You can trust God for it and believe it. Ask him to soothe and to, to, um, to give you comfort in it, uh, but don't hold on to it. Give it to God and keep it moving. Nehemiah was good at helping and teach, teaching people in our, in our passage today, Nehemiah 8, verses 9 and 10. Nehemiah was good at helping people and teaching people not to mourn or weep. He said, don't mourn about this longer than you need to. Don't weep about this longer than you need to. But instead, find your strength in God. Find your hope in God. Find your joy in the Lord. So I want to say, how, how, how is it, you may be asking, how do we gain joy? How do we become joyful people? How do we become more joyful if we, we sense that we have a lot of joy in our lives right now? And we've, we've sort of learned that over time. How do we uh, gain joy? So joy comes to us ideally in three ways. 
And these are not exclusive, but they're the main ones that I believe God has led me to share with you uh, this morning. John chapter 15, one through 11 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then in verse 11, he goes on to say, I have told you this so that your joy may be complete. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So joy comes through obedience. It's obedience of abiding in him. It cannot, there's no other way for you to have that joy. There's no other way for you to have that relationship without being in him. And just like it says in verses, uh, verse three and four, uh, no branch can bear fruit by itself, right? So if you're trying to do it by yourself, you can't do it by yourself. You can't say that I believe in God and you don't have a relationship with him because having a relationship with God means abiding in him. It's obedience. That's what he calls us to do. It's here in his word, John 15, 1 through 11. You can read it later on. It will change the way that you think about God and the way that you think about the church. And then secondly, uh, joy comes through the word of God. Joy comes through the word of God. Have you ever been reading the word of God at any given time? Um, and maybe you're just on your daily reading or whether you're reading a chapter a day or whatever it is that you do. Um, when you go to read it, have you ever just sat there and you just have to go back and read one verse again? And then maybe you just keep reading it. And maybe sometimes you just stop because it's just meeting you right where you're at. That's the joy that comes through the word of God. The word of God is there to encourage you. That's why we have to read it. If you're not reading your Bible, you're missing out on a huge aspect of joy. Because this tells us all about God. This tells us who he is. This tells us how he operates. We'll never know him, know his, his ways completely. The Bible tells us that, it says your ways are not our ways, right? This is not something we can master, but we can definitely have a good hold on what it is, right? He's not, God is not something that we can master. But the word of God, it's, it's, it's constantly, you'll never know this book in entirety before your day is done. But it will bring you joy while you're here on earth. And so let's get in it, let's read it, let's, let's share it with one another. Let's talk to, to other people about the joy of the Lord that comes through the word of God. And then last, joy comes through obedience, joy comes through the word of God, and joy comes through spending time with the Lord. Joy comes through spending time with the Lord. Spending time with him comes in so many different ways. Some people have a quiet time that they do every single morning. Um, some of you who are late hours do yours in the evening. Some of you 
uh, have lunch. I have some um, friends who, um, at, at their particular jobs, they have fellowship where at lunchtime, there's a number of people who come into a room or, or meet outside and uh, they eat lunch and they have a Bible study. Um, and those are and those are great times, so we can do that together. But also, there also be there ought to be this one on one that happens, where you tell him all about your troubles, and he tells you all about how you're going to be okay. But just just continue to call on me and to trust in me. Um, you come to him thanking him constantly for all that he's doing for you because he's allowed you to eat today and he's given you food and and he's taking care of your family. Um, and, some, and, then, and, then, and then there's times, and this ought to be most of the time, where we're just coming before him just saying, God, I'm spending time with you because you're God. I want to get to know you better. I want to have such a relationship with you that we're just in lockstep that as I live out my life, I know without a doubt that you are with me. Why? Because I've spent time with you. I build a relationship with you, Lord. And so spending time with him, time spent. Because you know why? Because the Bible tells us in the present, in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. You notice these words we're starting to see? Fullness. Uh, in the passage we just uh, read in um, 1 John, they, uh, they talked about being complete. In other words, there's, uh, we're, we, we have come to a point where you're full and you're complete in God when we're in this relationship with him and it's, re it's reciprocating. We're spending time with God. So make time to spend with him. There's always time to spend with him. I mean, some of you will, will stay up uh, and watch your favorite show uh, when it's going to be the season finale, right? And you're dozing off in your chair or in your bed or wherever you watch TV at. Um, you're dozing off trying to stay up for that. So why can't we take 15, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, um, for you on a daily basis. Maybe you split that up. Maybe your attention span is not uh, that great. And so you need to split it up into 15 minute intervals, uh, you know, two or three or four times uh, um, in a day. Um, whatever that is for you, spend time with him. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we know that joy comes through obedience. Joy comes through the word of God. And joy comes through spending time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to pray for us, and then we'll let you go. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you are amazing. You are good, and you are precious. You are lovely, and you are kind, Lord. You are gentle. You are long-suffering. You are God all by yourself, and we're so thankful for you, Lord. Lord, the Bible tells us, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, Lord. So that tells us, Lord, that we get strength from spending time with you, for being obedient to you, God, for being in your word and learning about you and what you say our lives should look like. So, Lord, I pray for each and every person, Lord, who knows you, who's walking, and who just needed a word of encouragement today, Lord, uh, that joy is available to them. And I pray, Father, for those who don't know you, Lord, who don't have a relationship with you, Lord, to know that true joy, not happiness, Lord, is through a real personal relationship with you. I pray for those, Lord, who want to give their life to, to Christ today, who want to say that they admit that they need a Savior, that they believe 
that you rose and that you died and rose again, Lord, and that they confess that you are Lord and Savior of their lives, Lord. I pray for them today, God. Would you solidify their coming to you, Lord, and help them in their days ahead, Lord, of walking with you. God, we love you, we praise you, and we adore you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you, everyone. Have a great rest of the afternoon.